hi there, Stuart here. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the iPharmerX podcast, where we explore the evidence that informs ambulatory care pharmacy practice. You may not have noticed it, but just a few weeks before the pandemic hit, a new drug was approved for the treatment of dyslipidemia, uh, bempedoic acid, which goes by the brand name Nexlatol. Bempedoic acid is an adenosine triphosphate citrate lyase inhibitor, or you may hear it called an ACL inhibitor. And similar to statins, it inhibits the synthesis of fatty acids and cholesterol in the liver, but it works on a different enzyme upstream from the HMG-CoA, so an ACL inhibitor can be used in combination with a statin. A bempedoic acid was approved based on evidence from three phase three clinical trials, each of which enrolled a slightly different patient population. Bempedoic acid is likely to be used in patients who are unable to tolerate statins or in combination with statins who, in patients who are not reaching their goal. So that's why I've asked our two guests today, Dr. Kara Gurries and Dr. Janine Iberetta, to review the CLEAR Serenity study which specifically enrolled patients who were intolerant to statins. Kara and Janine practice with renowned health in Reno, Nevada. Kara is an ambulatory care clinical pharmacist, and Janine is currently a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy practice resident. Kara, Janine, I'm so pleased you could both join me today. Welcome. Thank you, Stuart. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So I'd like to get started with a case study. I I want you to imagine that you are seeing LM, a 58-year-old Caucasian male. LM was hospitalized three months ago after experiencing crushing chest pain due to coronary ischemia. And he had a primary percutaneous coronary intervention and had two stents placed. Now, prior to his hospitalization, he considered himself to be relatively healthy, although he admits he was told that he had high blood pressure, but he didn't take it too seriously and didn't take his prescribed medications very often. Following his hospitalization, he was prescribed a number of medications, and he states he's committed to taking them because he wants to be alive to see his daughter graduate from pharmacy school in three years. His daughter has helped him organize his medications and helped him download an adherence app on his smartphone, which he uses every day. He currently takes clopidogrel, aspirin, lisinopril, amlodipine, metoprolol, succinate, and rosuvastatin 40 milligrams daily. However, the patient states he's had a lot of muscle symptoms, which he attributes to the rosuvastatin. His daughter suggested stopping it for a few days, and his muscle symptoms really improved. Understanding the importance of statin therapy, he restarted rosuvastatin about two weeks ago, and he's again having lots of muscle aches and pains. His blood pressure today was 118 over 62, and his pulse was 56, and it was regular. He had labs drawn yesterday in advance of his visit, and his lipid panel is terrific. Uh, Total cholesterol is 117 milligrams per deciliter. LDL was 52, HDL of 44, and triglycerides of 105. And his fasting glucose was 78, and estimated GFR was greater than 60 mils per minute. So his kidney function is pretty good. 
So, Kara, many of us have faced uh, very similar situations uh, given this patient's history of atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and his recent coronary stent placements, he is at particularly high risk of recurrent events. So statin therapy is clearly indicated. So I'm curious what are some of the things going through your mind in a case like this, and how would you approach further evaluation of this problem, and what would your approach be to lipid management moving forward? So yes, Stuart, I agree this patient would definitely benefit from statin therapy, Currently, the American College of Cardiology and American Heart Association guideline recommends statins as the first-line treatment of hyperlipidemia. We know that patients with statin-associated muscle symptoms are less likely to reach their LDL goal. They incur higher healthcare costs, and they experience a higher risk for non-fatal cardiovascular events. We should do our best to try to get LM on a statin he can tolerate. At this point, additional information I would be interested in knowing is does the patient have a family history of premature atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, and what was his baseline LDL cholesterol prior to the initiation of rosuvastatin? This would not change our treatment plan currently, but could help guide us if he ends up being unable to tolerate a statin as to what his next step in treatment would be based on the guideline. As far as his muscle symptoms go, I'd be interested in knowing if the patient has done any strenuous exercise recently or any activities that could have caused his muscle symptoms. Are his muscle symptoms bilateral? Are they constant? Or do they come and go? What areas are the muscle symptoms affecting the most? What type of muscle pain is he having? Soreness or weakness? And has the patient had any tea-colored urine? I would consider a CK if he is having severe pain with or without muscle weakness. We could also consider checking his thyroid and his vitamin D level. We know that thyroid dysfunction and a low vitamin D increases a patient's risk of statin intolerance. For his next step in therapy, I would consider retrying a statin at a moderate dose. Rosuvastatin, fluvastatin, and pravastatin are hydrophilic and theoretically considered less likely to enter skeletal muscle and cause muscle pains. I would stick with a hydrophilic statin at a moderate dose. If he is unable to tolerate a moderate dose, then I would try every other day dosing of a moderate or a low-dose statin. You could also consider supplementing with vitamin D or CoQ10 to possibly improve his ability to tolerate a statin, but evidence for either approach has mixed results. If he is unable to tolerate a statin, or if the statin dose he tolerates does not get him to less than 70 milligrams per deciliter, then the next step would be azetamide, then a PCSK9 inhibitor. So, Carol, let's talk about the results of the CLEAR Serenity study that you reviewed for iFormerX. The paper is entitled Efficacy and Safety of Benpidoic Acid in Patients with Hypercholesterolemia and Statin Intolerance. And it was published in April 2019 in the Journal of the American Heart Association. Now, we provide a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but can you give us a brief summary of the study design and its major findings? The Clear Serenity trial was a double-blind, placebo-controlled, parallel group study conducted in the U.S. and Canada. It was conducted over a 24-week period. The study enrolled patients on background lipid-modifying therapy who needed additional LDL cholesterol lowering for primary or secondary prevention. All patients had a history of statin intolerance, 
which was defined as the inability of patients to tolerate at least two statins, one at a low dose due to a prior adverse event that started or increased during statin therapy and resolved or improved when statin therapy was discontinued. The study enrolled patients whose LDL cholesterol was greater than or equal to 130 milligrams per deciliter for primary prevention and whose LDL cholesterol was greater than or equal to 100 milligrams per deciliter for patients with heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia or for secondary prevention indications. The primary endpoint was percent change from baseline to week 12 in LDL cholesterol. A total of 345 patients were enrolled in the trial and they were randomized 2 to 1 to benpidoic acid or placebo. Percent changes from baseline to week 12 in LDL cholesterol reduction was a decrease of 21.4% and was statistically significant. There was no increase in adverse events in the benpidoic acid versus the placebo. Now, Janine, as cardiovascular studies go, this is a relatively small trial. So I'm wondering what you see as the strengths and weaknesses of the study And what about the generalizability? What additional information do we need in order to understand this medication's potential place in therapy? Yeah, so the strengths of the trial included its randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled design, reducing the risk for any bias that could confound the results. Also, since the study was conducted in the United States and Canada, and that the patients were managed per the current AHA ACC guidelines, the results may be applicable to our general population. Another strength was that they provided a clear definition of statin intolerance. The current guidelines do not clearly define statin intolerance, so the definition used in this study may be applicable to the real world. However, I agree that this was a relatively small trial with 345 patients. Although the baseline characteristics for both groups were similar, about 90% of the patient population was Caucasian. Since high-risk ethnic groups, typically non-Caucasian ethnicities, are considered a risk-enhancing factor for atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, also patients with complicated comorbidities such as those with uncontrolled hypertension, coagulation disorders, or a recent cardiovascular event were excluded. Other weaknesses of the study included its short duration, which was 24 weeks. Long-term efficacy and safety data and measuring cardiovascular outcomes are needed to showcase benpidoic acid's clinical benefit. Also, if patients demonstrated poor adherence during the run-in period, they were excluded from this study, which does not reflect the real world. So Janine, Clear Serenity was actually one of a series of studies that examined the safety and efficacy of benpidoic acid. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the other studies in the CLEAR series and whether the findings are consistent with the CLEAR Serenity study? Do you think this drug is likely to replace azetamibe, which is commonly used as a first add-on agent in patients who don't achieve lipid-lowering goals or in patients who are unable to tolerate statins? So there are a total of five CLEAR studies. CLEAR Harmony, CLEAR Wisdom, CLEAR Tranquility, and CLEAR Serenity have been published, and CLEAR Outcomes is currently ongoing. The CLEAR Harmony trial was the first study of the series, which primarily measured safety. This was a 52-week trial and included patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. The trial included over 2,000 patients, 
There was no increase in incidence of adverse events in the benpidoic acid group versus placebo, and LDL cholesterol was reduced significantly by 16.5% from baseline. Clear Wisdom was also a randomized controlled trial measuring benpidoic acid's efficacy. The patient population was similar to the Clear Harmony trial, and the primary endpoint was the percent change in LDL cholesterol from baseline at week 12. Benpidoic acid significantly reduced LDL cholesterol by 15.1% from baseline. Third, Clear Tranquility was also a randomized controlled trial, but it assessed the efficacy of the addition of benpidoic acid to azetamibe in patients with statin intolerance. Patients with an LDL cholesterol greater than 100 milligrams per deciliter on stable lipid-modifying therapy were included. During a four-week run-in period, patients were initiated on azetamibe 10 milligrams daily. After this period, patients were randomized 2 to 1 to benpidoic acid or placebo, and benpidoic acid significantly reduced LDL cholesterol by 23.5% from baseline, demonstrating its efficacy when combined with azetamibe. This trial led to the FDA approval of Nexlizet, a fixed-dose combination oral tablet of azetamibe 10 mg and benpidoic acid 180 mg. The ongoing trial is Clear Outcomes, which is comparing the time from randomization to the first occurrence of cardiovascular events between benpidoic acid versus placebo in patients with statin intolerance. It is estimated to be completed in December of 2022 and currently has about 14,000 patients enrolled, so it'll be interesting to see the results of this trial. As far as benpidoic acid's place in therapy, I do not see it replacing azetamibe. I believe it will be primarily used in conjunction with azetamibe to lower LDL cholesterol in high-risk atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease patients with statin intolerance. Oftentimes, azetamibe alone will not reduce the LDL cholesterol below 70 milligrams per deciliter in these patients. At that point, per current guidelines, you would consider the addition of a PCSK9 inhibitor to get them to goal. Benpidoic acid offers another option, especially if they are hesitant to start an injectable medication. So, Kara, let's return to our case. Recall that LM has established uh, atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and recently had coronary artery stents placed. So let's assume you tried a few different statins and tried different dosing strategies and Eventually, LM was able to tolerate pravastatin 20 milligrams every other day, but his LDL cholesterol was now 95 milligrams per deciliter. Uh, would you recommend benpidoic acid in a case like this or azetamide or perhaps a PCSK9 inhibitor? Or would you forego additional lipid-lowering therapy and, and just stick with pravastatin? Um, so again, referring back to the AHA-ACC guideline, this patient is considered a very high-risk atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease, and the recommendation would be the patient's LDL cholesterol is still greater than 70 milligrams per deciliter on maximally tolerated statin therapy. Adding azetamide is a reasonable choice. I believe this is appropriate in this patient, and the next step in his therapy should be azetamide and will likely get his LDL cholesterol to less than 70 milligrams per deciliter or close to it. Azetamide is generic, and it's an affordable medication with clear indications in the treatment of hyperlipidemia. Benpidoic acid does have similar LDL cholesterol lowering as azetamide, about 20 to 25% reduction. The drug manufacturer has tried to price the medication competitively, 
but I still see a lot of loopholes patients and providers will need to jump through to prescribe the medication with no clear benefit over azetamide at this time. For the time being, based on current evidence available, I do not believe benpidoc acid is a good agent for this patient. Well, Janine, Kara, I want to thank you both for discussing this CLEAR Serenity study, indeed all of the CLEAR studies, and the potential role of benpidoic acid for the treatment of dyslipidemia and to reduce the risk of cardiovascular events. And based on your comments, there's no clear advantage, no pun intended, of using benpidoic acid over azetamide. But we do await the results of the CLEAR outcome study, which may give us some evidence that the combination of azetamide and benpidoic acid may lead to better outcomes in those who simply can't tolerate statins. Well, tell us what you think. Is benpidoic acid going to be another blockbuster lipid-lowering agent or a dud? What do you see as its primary place in therapy? Remember, only iFormRx members can leave comments and use the interactive features on the site. You can become a member of iFormRx. It's free to healthcare professionals. And you've probably already heard that we've partnered with the American Pharmacists Association to make iFormRx content available for board-certified ambulatory care pharmacists to earn recertification credit. So check out APHA's Ambulatory Care Board Prep and Recertification Program by clicking on the link at the bottom of the written commentary posted on the iFormRx website. And lastly, a special thanks to my colleague here at the University of Mississippi, Jordan Ballou, who maintains our immunizations resource page and is a member of our iFormRx advisory board. Jordan is doing some exciting things to advance community pharmacy practice, and she brings her insights and enthusiasm to the iFormerX team. So thank you, Jordan, for being part of and contributing to iFormerX. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Be well, my friends. Mm-hmm.